Justin Wallace, an edition of Positive Regression. I'm Alan Gavana of Fox Sports, joined by David Smith of MotorsportsAnalytics.com. David, we made it through episode one. We had some great listeners, some good feedback, interaction on Twitter, that sort of stuff. We were teaching people things. I think we learned some stuff. I'm glad we're doing this again. I think we're podcasters now. I think it's official. I, I think I think if we if we survive the first episode, that's that's a big selling point. If we can get to like ten, then I think we've made it. Oh, I can't wait. We're all we're we're about twenty percent of the way there because this is episode two. And, and look, we're we're one week closer to cars being on the track again. The biggest story in sports this week, though, obviously the Super Bowl. And but what caught my eye, David, this week is that out in LA, the papers out there, LA is in the Super Bowl, obviously, but the biggest story out there. Is from the NBA. Anthony Davis, an all-world talent in the NBA, has demanded a trade, and a lot of people believe he's going to go to the LA Lakers, or that's where he wants to go. Uh, some experts have said that this this trade would change the NBA. You know, you're putting LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two superstars, together, and it just makes you think about racing, though, because we don't have trades in racing. But if we did, I'm sure we could do a whole episode about this but it just makes you wonder if we could have a trade in racing what do you, can you think of one would there be a change the nascar world trade out there you would do right now a, a trade to change the nascar world so I, I i think of this anthony davis situation and for those that aren't familiar uh he's this uh, this transcendent talent he was drafted uh by a, a team out in new orleans and they've they failed to build uh an adequate sustainable uh, roster around him. So um, he's he's looking for a way out. So uh, I, I think of a driver who may, may fit that bill from a talent perspective, but doesn't have uh, the pertinent firepower to, to maybe compete for championships. I'm homing in on Kyle Larson. Oh, I knew you were. <laughs> um, okay, so, so five years into his career, uh, he's been with Chip Ganassi seven years, but five years into his cup career, um, he has scored a production and equal equipment rating of two or higher in four of those five seasons. Um, his age 21 season um, was the most productive of any driver, of any 21-year-old driver in the modern era. Uh, and in 2018, uh, according to surplus passing value, he was the most efficient passer, uh, even topped uh, Kevin Harvick, um, who's had uh, who's hovered around the top three for each of the last few years. Um, and Alan, I think that's going to be the guy that I actually trade him for Kyle Larson to Stuart Haas Racing, assuming Rodney Childers remains Rodney Childers. Uh, and we give him that number four car that has been so, so fast uh, for the last uh, four or five years. And I, I think we've just turned Larson loose on an unsuspecting NASCAR garage there. I don't, I, I, I fail to see a weak spot here. What, what, what say you? Why are you jettisoning whatever the word is, Kevin Harvick? I mean, I, look, I saw where you were going with this. I've had similar thoughts. I'm like, let's 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 have Kyle Larson demand a trade and get with Smoke over at SHR. It'll be a perfect world. And then you replace Kevin Harvick. What are you doing? Why? Why would you? Why would you? Why would, you, why would he be the one you send away? Okay. Well, well, look. I mean, Harvick's a winner, and Chip likes winners. Chip Ganassi. I'm I'm, I'm assuming that that's what you have to do to make a, a trade work. You can't. You can't uh, uh, take on something of high value and not give up uh, equal or similar value. I think Kevin Harvick um, still very effective, but in the twilight of his career, he is he is past that age thirty nine, age forty peak. Um, he is on the downslide. It might look pretty good uh, in comparison to other uh, drivers his age, um, but let's let's make the switch now. Let's keep the number four team viable for the next 10 years, and let's make that trade for Kyle Larson. Interesting. Again, this is something we could do a whole episode on. Maybe we will in the future. So, yeah, Kyle Larson obviously seems like a good one uh, to trade somewhere else. One other quick one that I had, I just imagine Christopher Bell. But what if the, if this was if, if NASCAR was like the NBA and Christopher Ooh. Bell just said, no, I want a cup ride and I want it now. I want out of my contract. I'm going to force a trade. 
I just imagine if the sports were similar, where Christopher Bell could just stand up and, and demand a trade into a good cup ride and force the team's hand. Uh, that, that, that's the only kind of similar kind of situation I, I could think of right now. And uh, I would just, again, maybe again to like a Stuart Haas racing. If you just said, I want a good cup ride and I want it right now. And all the headlines that would come of it NBA style. I, I think that'd be prettier. Interesting. Who, who, who does Stuart Haas give up to take on Christopher Bell? Uh, that you know again we're we're it's it's a fantasy thing maybe you do a two for one where you package clint boyer and eric almarola and bring him over to another team for a young christopher bell i didn't think that far ahead i'm just thinking of how other sports work where young stars or any star really demand something and suddenly it, it can work out that way we don't see that in nascar we don't have that in nascar can can I give you can I give you one with Christopher Bell that I think would rock the NASCAR fan base? Sure. I I say, Joe Gibbs Racing packages Denny Hamlin and Christopher Bell, ships them both to Hendrick Motorsports, and in return, Chase Elliott. Wow. Chase Elliott is already very accomplished, and he's younger than Christopher Bell, uh, so maybe maybe this is an opportunity for JGR. They've had championship drivers. They've had controversial, polarizing drivers. They've never had the outright uh, fan favorite. Um, say what you will about Tony Stewart or uh, Kyle Busch, uh, but never, um, never captured the imagination of the entire fan base the way Chase Elliott seems to have done seemingly the, the moment he walked into the Cup Series. Yeah, and, I, and I'm talking to him this week for Race Hub that'll start next week, February 4th. And uh, I, look, I look forward to asking about the responsibility being Mr. Popular and NASCAR brings. So look for that on Race Hub next week. But yes, we are talking to drivers. Driver, the, the season has begun, at least media-wise. We're, we're starting to talk to more and more people. I talked with Team Penske earlier this week. Everyone feeling good over there. Uh, Ryan Blaney just reminded people that, look, look, he hasn't been in any sort of car since Homestead. And the first time he'll be in a car is in a pack at Daytona. So don't forget little mindset things like that. And just the fact that it's starting again, David, I mean, it is time for us to start uh, looking at each organization. We're going to break down some of these over the next uh, few podcasts that we do here, our organizational previews. And uh, we're, we're taking an interesting approach. How, how, set up how we're going to do this today. You and I, we're going to take turns. There may be some overlap because, hey, that's life. Um, but we're going to take turns uh, picking a, a person of interest, someone within the organization that interests us for whatever the reason. And then let's, let's make a, a, a prediction just for, uh, for 2019 or the short term, uh, just to have a little bit of fun. And, and maybe we can revisit this at the end of the year and, and see what we got right. I look forward to it. And first up, again, we're doing it alphabetically. It wouldn't be analytical for David if it wasn't alphabetical. We're not playing favorites here. But Chip Ganassi Racing is the first one up. And hell, we've already talked about him a lot already. Uh, the person of interest for me at Chip Ganassi Racing is young Mr. Kyle Larson. Uh, David, I, I think Kyle Larson could win with his potential and the talent that he has. I think he could win two races, and that would still be a disappointment in terms of his expectation or what he's capable of or what he should deliver. Uh, the, the changing aero package, I don't think will benefit him. Uh, he is the kind of driver that we see, you know, he obviously comes from the dirt side of things. He likes to roll it around up there uh, on the high side, car control, off throttle time. Those are the things that he thrives at. I think of some of the wins he has at Michigan and I think I mentioned it last week at the dyno test Hendrick was doing, they were going flat out around Michigan. I think if they're going flat out around Michigan, that hurts some of the advantage Kyle Larson brings to a track like that. So what I'm getting to is my prediction is his teammate, Kurt Busch, will have more wins in 2019 than Kyle Larson will. Wow. Okay. Um, well, you threw me off with your prediction, but that's okay. Um, okay. Um, <laughs> Kyle Larson is also my pick, so we already have some overlap. But I'm curious, you said um, if he only wins two races, it's a disappointment in your eyes. So by that logic, was the 2018 season in which Larson went winless 
that was a big disappointment, I assume? Absolutely. I, again, you've written about Kyle Larson enough that I've learned from it, but just knowing the, the potential that Kyle Larson has, the uh, I think I mentioned before, the all-world talent, the, the how he is outperforming at points, the equipment that he is in, how he is a young prodigy racer. I, I think the fact to go winless in a whole season for a team that has speed, it's not like he was running 10th or 11th. This is a team that was running in the top five, top 10, had quality speed. And to go is it winless is a waste of his year, a waste of his young career. Okay, so um, I, I would I would agree. I, I, I would say that last year was a disappointment. Uh, I think Chip Ganassi Racing is getting dangerously close to uh, taking this prodigious talent um, someone that, that brings the romantic, uh, out of, out of racing fans, um, and, and, and turning him into a, a tortured genius almost. Right. I mean, we've, uh, I, I see Nate Ryan on Twitter. Uh, he always gets really enthusiastic about the blunt Kyle Larson quote. So Larson already kind of has that stinging attitude, um, but I, I want to point on the reason why last year wasn't as great as 2017. Just looking at their, their central speed discrepancy and the way uh, their speed was distributed, nothing really changed much. The problem was their competition, namely the four car with Kevin Harvick and the 18 car with Kyle Busch reached new heights with what they found in speed and arrow. Larson uh, maintained status quo. This is NASCAR and this is 2018, 2019. You can't do that. You can't, you can't just maintain uh, and expect uh, to, you know, roll it back and have the same kind of success. Larson's car ranked third in central speed specifically on intermediate racetracks. That's pretty impressive. The only thing that was standing in their way uh, from a win was a Kyle Busch slide job. They had the speed, um, but it was only on that track. If you're going to focus your speed, it should be on the one and a half mile track types that's that are the most prevalent in NASCAR, um, but their distribution was poor. They had the uh, 12th fastest car on mile, uh, uh, mile tracks and the 13th fastest car on short tracks. Uh, ironically, Larson uh, seems to be politicking for, for more short tracks on the schedule. I would assume that he thinks Ganassi would shift its focus um, in, in car setup, but they didn't have um, a consistent balance in terms of speed. Now, they made one key change in the offseason. Uh, they recruited Jeff Curtis, uh, the former race engineer at Furniture Row Racing, working under Cole Pern for Martin Truex. He is now Ganassi's head of engineering. Automatically, that is uh, just a, a change. That That's uh, new ideas, new energy. And that's something that it, it feels this Ganassi team has become a little bit stale. Right, we talked last week about the addition of Kurt Busch and just what philosophically inside the walls that addition could mean. Uh, well, Jeff Curtis on his own, um, he's a he's an outspoken personality, um, but he's also something of a of a mad genius. He's been hailed for uh, his simulation modeling and uh, getting that furniture row car up to speed when he joined Cole Pern um, in Colorado. So he's going to bring a little bit of that to Ganassi. Um, we don't know what the rules package means for Kyle Larson. I would say if it uh, hampers anything to do with cornering ability, then we're getting a diminished Larson, which is kind of a bummer. But uh, I am curious to see what uh, their their new addition inside the shop walls is able to cook up for a driver that just, uh, frankly, needs way more speed than, than what he's been getting. Not to... Not to um, uh, delay the prediction, though. My, my, my prediction is uh, Larson will maintain one thing. He will lead the Cup Series for a second straight season in surplus passing value. Um, I, I, he is uh, an incredible passer. If you're able to attend a race, just focus in on him. See how he approaches a corner. See how he sets up a pass. It is very USAC. It is very dirt track. 
Um, he brings what he learned on dirt to asphalt, um, and it's it's really exciting to watch, and it's statistically effective. One organization down, moving on again, alphabetical order. Now we're going to Front Row Motorsports, a, a team that, look, we doesn't get a ton of attention. We, we know how they run. We know what they're capable of. Uh, we know what what where to look for them and what tracks to do it at, but they are expanding. They are now three teams, David. And uh, I want to know how you look at a team that, that that's not running the top 10 every week, but w- where you can see maybe room for improvement or what, what you can predict out of a three-car front row motorsports. This is an organization that is perpetually uh, searching for its footing. Uh, the expansion to three cars, uh, they had a, had a contraction a few years ago. They have uh, recently re-expanded to add Matt Tift. I think that actually might be might be my focal point, Alan, is that they're they're bringing on uh, a rookie driver to pair with David Reagan and Michael McDowell um, in Matt Tift. And I, I think there is a little misunderstanding um, when it comes to his ability to behind a race car. He is not uh, one at the truck series level, not one at the Xfinity series level, but he's far from a lost cause. Uh, consider he ranked 12th last year in Xfinity Series production and equal equipment rating uh, with a 2.106 rating. Uh, that means his uh, weighted results output with uh, team and equipment strength normalized, ranked ahead of Ryan Truex, John Hunter Nemechek, Ryan Priest, Chase Briscoe, Xfinity Series champion Tyler Reddick, and Austin Sindrick. And uh, on that list, he's younger uh, than everyone other than Nemechek and Sendrick. Uh, so, so don't sleep on him. He ended the season with a positive surplus passing value. He ranked sixth in short track surplus passing value, trailing only Kyle Larson, Chase Elliott, Christopher Bell, Ty Majeski, and Justin Allgaier. Not a bad list of short trackers. Uh, and on one-mile tracks, he ranked seventh in the same category, trailing Chase Elliott, Kyle Busch, John Hunter Nemechek, Ryan Priest, Justin Allgaier, and Christopher Bell. Um, Alan, I know you've um, you've had a chance to to watch him glide through the ranks. the The brain surgery he had, I think, we're going on a year and a half uh, now since he did that, um, was pretty pretty big news. I mean, the fact that he got back into a race car is, um, is in itself an impressive feat. I, I actually predict that he is going to, uh, split the middle. He will have not the worst average finish among the front row contingent, uh, but he will have the second best average finish among that front row contingent. Not much of a, um, not much of a, uh, going out on a limb, but, I think it'd be a good starting point for a young driver that I, I think a lot of people just, they see a lack of wins and, and running up front and they don't really understand that what he's doing behind the wheel is, is not, not too bad. I hear you. All right. You're predicting he finishes second amongst the three drivers in terms of average finish for front row motorsports. I'm focusing on a different driver of that stable, Mr. Michael McDowell. One top 10 in all of 2018. Certainly a disappointment. Not what they were looking. I believe that top 10 came at Daytona, the 500, the first race of the year, and it was all downhill from there. So my bold prediction, he is age 34. You look on the average performance about when you look towards someone's age, a driver's age over their career, 34 is generally an uptick. So I am predicting Michael McDowell finishes the season with four, four top 10 finishes in 2019. You know, interesting thing about uh, McDowell, he, he's now paired with uh, Drew Blickensdurfer as a crew chief. And I wrote about um, Blickensdurfer as Bubba Wallace's crew chief last year. Uh, for motorsportsanalytics.com. And uh, I was actually just in the process of assessing uh, Bubba's situation. Uh, on Blickensdurfer, I said that Bubba is the, is the kind of driving profile that a, a guy like Blickensdurfer should do well with. Um, Blickensdurfer's uh, strategy output was decent last year and can help someone that is in need 
of, uh, of constant track position. So I, I want you to uh, think on this. Uh, Bubba Wallace and Michael McDowell scored identical uh, peers last year, 0.056. McDowell uh, not only needs track position, he actually led the Cup Series and pit road speeding penalties with 13 last year. Um, Derek Finley tried his damnedest to to impact that, um, but eventually those are are some big chunks uh, being taken out of your day. I, I'm curious to see if Blickensdurper can help uh, bridge that positional gap. And let's not forget, this is called positive regression. So uh, it's my thought that he will not lead the, the, the Cup Series in pit, pit road speeding penalties, which should only help him to fulfill my prediction of four top tens for 2019. Today's episode of Positive Regression is sponsored by MotorsportsAnalytics.com, a hub for NASCAR statistics and analysis. Subscribers of Motorsports Analytics have access to exclusive stats such as production and equal equipment rating, central speed, and restart position retention, as well as David Smith's analysis on drivers, teams, and statistical trends. If you dabble in fantasy NASCAR, bet on NASCAR races, or just want to become more knowledgeable about the sport you love, this is the subscription for you. If you'd like to try it out, the monthly plan is $4.99 per month. If you're willing to take the plunge with the annual plan, you will save nearly $15. Use the subscription the NASCAR industry uses. Drivers, team decision makers, and members of the NASCAR media subscribe to Motorsports Analytics. Now you can too. And continuing our organizational previews, not just team previews, organizational previews. Next one on the list, David, as we look down, good old Hendrick Motorsports, the juggernaut in the past a team struggling to find its way once again, be back. And now, you know, now we talk about the Stuart Haas racings of the world, Joe Gibbs, team Penske, Hendrick wants back into that. And they've got the most popular driver in Chase Elliott. They've got the seven time champion and Jimmy Johnson. I'm going to focus on Mr. Alex Bowman. Uh, when you look back at this, the speed ratings from last year, toward the end of the year, when you look at the average, the nine race average that you do, uh, the 88 was actually the second fastest Hendrick car to the number nine. It was not the 48. And overall, the, the 88 and the 48 were right there, nearly together on the rankings for overall speed. When you look at 2018, there's a lot of continuity. It'll be the second full year for Alex Bowman and crew chief Greg Ives together. So my prediction, without making too detailed of a prediction, but I say Alex Bowman and Jimmy Johnson finish the season with the same number of wins, whatever that may be. Oh, that could be brutal. <laughs> that, <laughs> that could not be. That that might be a oof. Oh, I, I'm, I think I'm, well, they did that this year, past year. I'm inclined yeah. to agree with you on that. I think that does happen. <laughs> uh, and I have a sneaking suspicion. I know what that number is, but, but I'll, let me, let me shed some positive light on Bowman. He, um, th- my, uh, my annual regression analysis that spits out a, a peer projection for the 2019 season um, shows Bowman in good light. He is um, primed for the best year of his career. Last year was a little bit of awakening. I, I think it, it it got off to uh, a weird start, uh, right? It was you know, win the pole at Daytona and, and placed into some very strange uh, prominence that I don't know that that was that 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 felt a little too much too soon. Um, he was not a rookie last year. Um, he was, uh, however, a young driver in his first season with. A team that I'll I'll say is was was worth its salt. Um, I don't know if this is the long term answer for that '88 car. Um, I was baffled that they weren't able to attract another talent um, instead of Bowman, but they are they are giving it uh, a very good look. Ives has shown in the past um, that he was a very able uh, pit strategist. That. The, the year where uh, Dale Earnhardt Jr. had his uh, concussion uh, symptoms cut short the rest of the season, uh, Ives had to make uh, things work with not only Earnhardt, but Jeff Corden is an impromptu replacement, uh, and Alex Bowman. And uh, by all means, go back and look at the just the race results for the 88 car. Look at the, the pit strategy output for Greg Ives. Um, it was downright impressive. Right. So he he has that in him to at least extract track position 
and like you said, you would hope that what we saw towards the end of last season um, from their central speed carries over into the new year. Um, and we don't know what the new rules package is going to do. Bowman might be the kind of driver that would benefit um, from from a from a parity increase on the bigger tracks. Now, uh, I'm going to choose uh, an, a staple of Hendrick Motorsports. I'm going to go with Chad Knauss. He has moved over to William Byron's uh, number 24 team. Um, Alan, I don't I don't know what a good crew chief is I think it is someone who supplements whatever his driver needs the most. Um, to me, that's my definition of a good crew chief. And obviously the, the championship run with him and Jimmy Johnson, we saw dominant speed. Uh, we saw come from behind victories. We saw gritty performances. Um, we saw all of that, but but above all, we saw a race car that was uh, ready to compete every Sunday. Last year was a little bit different story. Jimmy Johnson is now uh, suffered the last uh, two years, the worst two years of his career. I believe Chad Knauss did a very good job of managing that. Um, last year, Knauss was an above average defender of Johnson's track position on green flag pit cycles. Uh, and gained him 61 spots in total uh, during a year where they simply just did not have competitive speed. I'm curious to see what Chad Knaus does to adjust what he normally does for a young driver in William Byron. Byron, from a statistical tracking standpoint, looks the part of a future star. Um, Last year was a bit disappointing, but when you consider he was only age 20, it's not anything that we should concern ourselves with yet. Um, my prediction is that we will see some speed this year out of Byron, and we'll, perhaps we'll see that speed more than we'll see the consistency. So I will say that William Byron, with the help of Chad Knauss, will win his first Cup Series poll in the year 2019. Just a poll? You're not going out and win? You're not giving him a win yet? No, no win yet. He's 20, 20 to 24 is uh, uh, an age group in the NASCAR Cup Series uh, that is, uh, we'll, we'll say it's it's college and, and maybe a postgraduate education. Um, and around ages 25 and 26, that's when you start to fully form who you are as a race car driver. I think we should be kind to, to, to any of young Williams' struggles right now. All we need to see from him this year is just a little bit of a spark, a something positive, and a pole, leading some laps, being being out front um, for a long time on a long run during a race. That's a step in the right direction. I think that's all Hendrick Motorsports needs to see. I don't think there is uh, anyone um, uh, being naive uh, and assuming that he's going to compete for a championship or a, or a playoff spot. I think it's just, let's get this, this team righted. Uh, this was the former five team. It struggled in the years, uh, in the later years of Casey Kane's tenure at Hendrick. They're placing Chad Knauss, the best crew chief. Uh, well, one of the best crew chiefs they've ever had along with Ray Evernham. They're placing him there to help turn this thing around and see what they can do. So get the team right the driver's growing, and if this can be uh, end the season on a positive trajectory, I think they head into the 2020 season, all smiles and all systems go. All right, that was Hendrick Motorsports. Next up on the organizational list, Joe Gibbs Racing. And there, again, a sea of change, one of the top organizations, now brings in all of a sudden uh, a former champion, a recent champion, and maybe the best crew chief pound for pound over the last few years in Cole Pern is now in-house. David, where are you looking when you look at Joe Gibbs racing for 2019? What's your prediction? I'm going to go with uh, not Cole Pern, uh, not Adam Stevens. I'm, I'm going to pick Chris Gabehart is my, mm-hmm. my person of interest. Um, I, I, I want, I want you to consider something. Uh, we, we know that Cole Pern is inheriting a 19 team that underachieved with Daniel Suarez behind the wheel and another crew chief running the show. He gets Martin Truex. Things are going to be 
good for the 19 team. But I would argue that Chris Gabehart is the crew chief inheriting the best situation from 2018 going into the new season. Denny Hamlin's 11 car uh, ranked 10th in central speed. Denny Hamlin himself ranked 7th in pier uh, last year. He turns 38. Uh, this year, that's uh, uh, typically a statistically good year in a driver's career. Uh, and Gabehart is fresh off of dragging Brandon Jones to top 10 finishes in over half of his starts. Um, but but maybe more well-known for what he did as Kyle Busch's crew chief in the Xfinity series, gaming green flag pit stops, utilizing Kyle Busch's uh, seemingly superhuman ability to get on and off pit road fast and effectively to, to score loads of track position and to maintain leads. Um, now, uh, throw a stone on, on Twitter and you'll see a tweet about death taxes and Denny Hamlin speeding on pit road. Um, I think Hamlin got a, a, a bad rap for that. He didn't even rank uh, the highest in, among JGR drivers in pit road speeding penalties last year. He had five. Daniel Suarez had nine. Uh, <laughs> Kyle Busch had four. This, Allen, is a JGR tactic. In 2017, Matt Kenseth had seven pit road speeding penalties, and he's far from incompetent. We need to stop uh, connecting pit road speeding penalties with just absent-mindedness or incompetence. It's not a mistake. It's deliberate. This is what Joe Gibbs Racing does. They're trying to gain every advantage they can get. They've identified all of their teams that getting on and off pit road is uh, part and parcel to their every weekend game plan. And Gabe Hart is, uh, I mean, he, he, he may have been the, the organization's innovator for all we know, but placing him with Hamlin, uh, that's going to, that's going to increase that. We're going to see that change a little bit. Hamlin was paired with Mike Wheeler last year. Wheeler was very aggressive in pit strategy, and I feel like we're going to talk about him later on in this this episode. Um, but he was very aggressive in his pit strategy. Gabe Hart may not go that far in terms of just long pitting every race and, and wanting to hail Mary to set Denny Hamlin up for a win, but maybe just clean things up a little. This was not a bad team last year, but they were bounced from the first round of the playoffs. I think Chris Gabehart has a rare opportunity that crew chiefs get where they can come in, see that most of the things that they're inheriting are good, and they only really need to focus on making small changes. So I'm very curious to see what the 11 team does in that regard, because Gabehart showed himself to be a very good crew chief in the Xfinity series, and he's he's walking into a situation that, I, I don't know, I, I look on, on paper, not too bad. So what is the prediction? My prediction. Uh, Denny Hamlin wins at least two races and makes the final eight of the NASCAR playoffs and is a close contender for the championship four. All right. Uh, that was my pick. Well, when, when looking toward JGR, that is, we're going to have some overlap, David, because my where I was looking to is also Denny Hamlin and my person of interest, especially in that organization. Uh, we've said it for a few years now, the best driver in the cup series without a title. He proudly, I don't know if proudly is the right word. Unfortunately, maybe for him, he carries that title. I firmly believe that how close he's been, the talent he has, the wins he has, the history he has Denny Hamlin, best driver out there right now without a title. So you picked his new crew chief, Chris Gapehart, but because of his new crew chief, Chris Gapehart, I'm focusing on Denny Hamlin. You look at his speed from last year. Overall, you look at a whole season worth faster than the champion, the 22 car, than the 11 was. The 11 had speed. Denny Hamlin is a provides those positions on the track when his car has speed. My prediction for this year with the new crew chief, a new situation, two wins for Denny Hamlin, firmly in the playoffs, and back to the winner's circle for Denny Hamlin. I think we, I think we've agreed there. And I think that this is this season in particular is going to be very important for Denny Hamlin as it, it may decide the rest of his career. Christopher Bell is this looming presence in the Toyota Joe Gibbs racing uh, pipeline. 
it, it's that 11 ride occupied by Denny Hamlin that has been identified by a lot of people in the industry as Bell's eventual landing spot. Hamlin's not a cheap driver. He's he's an expensive driver uh, to the, the Joe Gibbs racing bottom line. But if he can just prove himself a regular winner and a championship contender again, then then maybe Bell's entryway is a little bit more complicated than a lot of people thought. And maybe this is a driver and Denny Hamlin, they want to hang on to until he retires. I mean, at, at this rate, I it'd be weird to see him in a car other than a purple 11. I, I'm in agreement with you. Things weren't so bad last year. And again, this is positive aggression. That, that, I think that is exactly what will happen for Hamlin. I like it. I like it. All right, moving on to uh, from the the juggernaut team of Joe Gibbs Racing to a smaller but trying to improve team of JTG Doherty Racing. We talked last week on the inaugural episode of Positive Regression. We talked about Ryan Priest. We talked about some of the changes. So when you're looking at JTG Doherty Racing, who were you looking at for and what they what you might predict for 2019? You know, I, Chris Busher. This is. Uh, not not to slide his ability, but I think this is a legitimate hot seat scenario. Um, he hasn't done much of anything out of, I'll, I'll call it an undeserving win at Pocono, thanks to NASCAR's antiquated rainout rule that not many people ever think to question. Um, but even his owner at the end of last year had to had to publicly confirm that Busher was returning for the 2019 season. Um, you know, last I checked, Roger Penske didn't have to publicly confirm that Brad Keselowski is returning or that Joey Logano is coming back. I mean, if, if your owner has to do that, then all isn't right. So you'd like to see a little bit more out of a former Xfinity Series champion like Busher. Did you notice that Roush Fenway had a had an open seat uh, with, with Trevor Bain? Uh, kick to the curb and and i feel like that should have been the opening for busher who is the driver that they loaned to jtg doherty racing until such an opening emerged but they bypassed him they picked ryan newman they filled the vacancy what does that say about their interest in busher i don't know i think there's there's a lot for this young man to have self-doubt he turns 26 this year and, and here's the thing, this, this becomes rosy for me. Uh, the motorsports analytics regression analysis projects Chris Busher to have the most productive season of his career, a 1.08 peer that would rank 16th among cup series regulars. That's uh, that's playoff territory. Of course, his average finish would have to, uh, to mirror that in order for that to become a reality. But if he can establish himself as one of those top drivers, then all of a sudden this doubt, his, his presence on the hot seat, his owner having to vouch for him, that all goes away. Um, and the problems go away. My, my prediction is Chris Busher is a top 20 producer in 2019. All right. Uh, I, I'm looking at his teammate. I'm staying focused on Ryan Priest, the rookie, the driver going for rookie of the year, the, the Connecticut kid, the one from new England gets his shot at the cup ride. And I look back on last year's stats. We talked last week again with AJ Allmendinger. We've talked about him. You've written about him, a, a, a talented driver just in the wrong era of NASCAR because his talent did not show when it came to the one and a half mile tracks, the bread and butter of the NASCAR schedule. You look at the speed the 47 car had last year and you look at AJ Allmendinger's top 15 finishes. He had 10 of them. David, how many of them came on a traditional one and a half mile race track? Zero. One. He had a 14th place finish. I know. I got you. He had a 14th place finish at Las Vegas late in the season. So the car is capable with a capable driver, the, 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 that team, the 47 team is capable of things. I think Ryan Priest, we talked about him last week, his talents that he's able to supply positions, whether it be on a restart, whether it be passing, his aggressiveness. He is capable of doing that. Certainly there will be some growing pains, but my prediction, again, that car got 10 top 15 finishes last year. My prediction for Ryan Priest this year, 13 top 15 finishes in 2019. I think that will be a great rookie season for the young man. 
you know, I know you you spent some time with uh, the JTG teams last week, and there was there was a revelation that I I mean I don't think I saw coming or or, or didn't hear until they they said it, but they're building their own cars now, and they've first they've, time ever. They've never yeah they've never done that before. I mean, how when you talk to uh, talk to them. Uh, why? Why are they doing this? What is the? Are they optimistic about it? What's? Uh, what? What were you able to glean from that? Well, a lot of it was. Some of it was just because they they feel like they can now, and whether that was an, an issue that they didn't feel like they could a money thing, or they didn't think they had the uh, supply or the wherewithal to do it. Look, they've got great sponsorship. They've got great sponsorship money. Uh, they have they have two fully funded cars over there and a model that is working for them. And they actually did it one race last year. I believe it was Texas. They felt good about it. They have the space, they have the personnel, and it's easier to do things in-house. I think we've heard about some of this from teams in the past that, look, when you need a car and you get it from another team and then say you have to make a change, that's man hours. That is literal time of traveling back up to wherever you got that car and having to bring it back. Any team that is capable of building its own stuff wants to and should, and now JTG is jumping into that, uh, into that building their own cars and they're trying to remain optimistic about it. Certainly, it could be a challenge, but uh, it'll be something new. It's something if it hits, it is a positive for a team, especially in-house. Again, if you want to make a change, you make it just like that. You don't have to wait for anything. I, I think that'll be a positive for the team overall. That is a hell of a leap, um, but I applaud them for uh, for the goal of uh, self-sufficiency. Um, that's, I mean, that's impressive. It, you hope that it goes well, uh, and then perhaps more teams will follow in their footsteps instead of, uh, you know, sat, saddling up a, a team alliance that uh, uh, doesn't uh, doesn't fare too well most often. Yes, and another small team looking to make waves, Levine Family Racing. More changes, another team full of changes, a new driver, a new alliance with Toyota, or a new alliance with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing, a new crew chief in Mike Wheeler, who we've talked about before. What are you focusing on, and what are you predicting for Matt Benedetto and Levine in the 95 car in 2019? Last year, Bob Levine uh, signed Casey Kane, he signed Travis Mack, a crew chief with a Hendrick Motorsports pedigree, and he felt that he had a team that could compete for a playoff spot. Um, the problem is he did not. He got a, uh, a Casey Kane that has not been uh, the Casey Kane of the, the mid-2000s for a while. And he got a crew chief who very quickly recognized that they weren't up to speed. Um, they they didn't have uh, the kind of resources necessary to make a, a, a proper run of things, right? I mean, being a top 20 car was a challenge for them. Travis Mack, and I've written about this on Motorsports Analytics extensively, took it upon himself to uh, uh, bestow the world the most radical season long uh, pit strategy plan I've ever seen from a crew chief. It was constant short and long pitting in hopes that Casey Kane would somehow come out on the other end with a boatload of track position and maybe even the potential for a surprise win. Sounds kind of crazy, but when you reflect on how Casey uh, Casey Kane got his most recent win, the 2017 Brickyard 400. It was in that exact manner. Keith Rodden jumped him about 10 positions up the up the running order, and then some some elaborate restarts occurred, and Kane held on and defended position for arguably one of the biggest wins of his career. The owner didn't care for that. He uh, he fired Travis Mack and. There was a little bit of ambiguity as to why that dismissal occurred. Um, but then Bob Levine went on Sirius XM NASCAR radio and uh, had, a, had a beautiful rant about how uh, doing things over and over and expecting a different outcome is the definition of insanity, even though what Travis Mack was doing was probably the most reasonable pathway <laughs> to a playoff spot. Um, okay. 
the new crew chief for the 95 car this year is Mike Wheeler. And Alan, if there was anybody even in the ballpark of doing something similar to what Travis Mack was doing last year, it was Mike Wheeler, who was actually long pitting in the first half of that season, long pitting Denny Hamlin so often, just in hopes that they would pinch off the rest of the uh, rest of the field um, after a caution flag have something bounce their way and maybe not have to depend on speed. Let's game a playoff spot this way. Focus on our foibles going forward. That's what he did. So I find it ironic. I find it delicious that, <laughs> that, that Mike Wheeler is the crew chief for this 95 team. De Benedetto is an innocuous hire. He had the cleanest crash frequency uh, in the NASCAR cup series last year. I don't know that this is a playoff team. I'm scared to know what their internal expectations are. My my prediction is, uh, and I don't have a, a number total here, but we're going to see some truly radical stuff coming from that pit box and Mike Wheeler to see if they can game a shock win or a decent day for Matt Benedetto in that number 95 car because I don't trust the other improvements necessary to turn this team into a playoff contender. There's a lot to point to on this team in terms of newness, what you could focus on. Obviously the biggest ones, crew chief and driver. I'll stick with the driver. I've talked to him uh, for race hub uh, this week. That'll start next week, starting on February 4th. But uh, Matt Benedetto was in a good mood, new driver suit, new everything. I think this team and all the newness that comes with it and the alliance with JGR my prediction for this team is a top 20 points finish, which may be my most bold prediction of this whole episode. I just think there's something in there that the benefit, the trickle down from JGR. Uh, I know we like to do some in-depth analysis. This one is more gut feeling. I think this team finishes with a top 20 points finish, not a playoff team, but a top 20 points finish for Matt Benedetto and the 95 so you, you are you are bullish on De Benedetto, the driver. Yes, in the best opportunity of his career, with uh, working with a a quality crew chief coming from JGR, who again trickle down, they're finding each other at the right time. That's just my feeling. Uh, you like to do more analysis. This one, I'm taking full gut feeling and pairing and hoping this pair finds success together. I think that's fair to say. Uh, in 2017, De Benedetto ranked 22nd in Cup Series Pier. He ranked ahead of the likes of A.J. Allmendinger, Paul Menard, Chris Buescher, Ryan Blaney, hello, and Austin Dillon uh, in 2018. Uh, he was ahead of a few more uh, interesting names. Uh, uh, atop Allmendinger again, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Chris Buescher again, uh, and his predecessor, Casey Kane. So again, you you know the the common fan will see a driver at the end of the field uh, or towards the end of the the running order and assume that the driver's no good uh, or that he's a lost cause. But this is a situation where we're going to learn a lot about De Benedetto because there's a lot that we're not sure of. Um, he's never he's never ignited as a as a plus passer or a plus restarter but we also haven't seen him in a scenario that can give us a long enough look uh, that we can consider trustworthy. So I, I think there are a lot of good questions. I still think there might be some, uh, some higher ceiling potential for him. Uh, he, he's, he's sort of hitting this, this uh, era of his career where he is now a post-hype prospect. So we're, we're certainly going to learn a lot about that driver, by the way, he's projected for the 21st, best uh, peer in 2019 so that's within spinning distance of your prediction i hope and we're, we're we're writing all these down we are going to look back on these at the end of the year i think that's going to be pretty fun we've been through about half of the nascar teams on next week's episode don't worry we're going to hit penske richard childress racing richard petty motorsports roush fenway racing and of course the juggernaut Stuart haas racing before we dive into a specific preview for the daytona speed weeks now for all of you listening on itunes you can subscribe for free and you'll receive a new episode as soon as it's uploaded every thursday morning if if not, you'll have to wait for us to and go find it. But so hit that subscribe button. You'll get it right away. We are also available on Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Podbean. We have all your favorite devices covered. 
Regardless of where you get your positive regression fix, if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating or review. That helps us gain some visibility, your help in spreading the word to your friends, hitting that review button. It is all very much appreciated, and it already is appreciated just from that one episode we've done so far. Uh, it, it's a pleasure to start talking NASCAR again, uh, not only for this, but at my other job over on NASCAR on Fox, we are full blast back into it, doing the production stuff. Uh, next week, Race Hub starts February 4th. You will see interviews with all the drivers. I personally will interview. You'll see me with Matt Benedetto, Chase Elliott, some of the Fox execs. A, a lot going on on my end, David, as I also prepare for the Truck Series season, which is all coming together with certain announcements coming out. I look forward to being on pit road uh, in just a few weeks here for Daytona. Uh, I am looking forward that, uh, to that as well. Uh, on motorsportsanalytics.com right now, our listeners can read SWOT analyses, strengths, weakness, opportunities, and threats posted this week for Joe Gibbs Racing and Chip Ganassi Racing. Uh, by the time uh, some of our listeners will be hearing this, a uh, Stuart Haas Racing SWOT analysis will be ready for consumption. Uh, so please look forward to that. A lot going on. We appreciate you listening. This is episode two. This was the Rusty Wallace edition. I think I'm going to start a theme every week. This was the Rusty Wallace edition of Positive Aggression, a motorsports analytics podcast. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week. Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.